Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. On a recent episode, we invited our business coaching clients to call in and ask Brian a question live on the air. We've had great feedback on that show, and we have more episodes like it in the works. Some of you commented on social media about how you could never attain the success levels of those you heard on the podcast. But it's important to remember, and Brian does say this multiple times during the show, that those who called in have been diligently working the referral system for 10 to 20 years. It's a compounding effect of where they've gotten to today and is often based on the goals they've set with their coach. And everyone's goals are different. I love that all these years later, our clients still have questions for Brian and are eager to learn and grow. And the best thing was to see all the supportive comments from others in our coaching program. Great to see such a powerful community of people supporting each other. If you have questions on any topic, whether you own a business or not, whether you're at the top of your game or just starting out, we've actually rolled out a new feature on the com slash insiders, where you can submit a question and maybe you'll be on the air with Brian in a future episode. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, you're in for a treat today as we listen in on a conversation between two old friends. Sinbad is one of the funniest comics of all time and has been in multiple motion pictures. And today, you're not just going to feel better because of all the laughs. You're going to learn about the persistence it takes to make it to the top and stay there. Let's listen in. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to the show. We have a treat in store for you today. He's my man. He is the OG of comedy. And for the past 35 years, he's been making people laugh so hard that they can cry. He's been in dozens of movies. He's just a stud, and he's a brilliant guy with a brilliant mind, great insight. We just had Simbad to our Mastermind Summit just a couple weeks ago, and we had 4,000 people, and two-thirds of the way through the show, he just hands out microphones to the audience and basically just did improv, answered people's questions, and made people laugh. What did they say? Laugh so hard you want to slap your mama. And so it's a treat. It's an honor. <laughs> Sinbad, welcome to the show. We're just delighted to have you, bud. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm always doing great when I see you and hear you. And, you know, you're a dose of what's right. You know, everybody's so jacked up and uptight and listening to the media and all that stuff and just getting a chance to laugh at themselves and laugh at life. It's a gift. It's a gift. Laughter is an man. important thing, you know? I think especially now. Look, man, times have been crazy. If you look at we talk about well, times now, man. If you read the Bible, they wouldn't have too good for a bit of time back then either. I don't think... <laughs> Anybody had a really, really good time. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what was that really, really good time? Yeah. Was the Depression, uh, slavery, civil rights movement. But it was this great yeah. time, so I think people find the time. Yeah. Even though it's crazy, because, man, if you don't find a way to not lose your mind. Because mm -hmm. I saw myself getting so angry. Brian, I was getting so angry. I was getting so angry. I said, man, I got to back up. Because you know what? Either I'm going to go out in the streets and start marching, which is another way to get rid of anger. Either yeah. you're going to get involved with a group, which I think everybody should do, instead of just being angry. If you're really mad about something, then run for Congress, run yeah. for a position, yeah. or start an organization. Or if you're really angry, go to a children's hospital mm. or organization for kids without much, or soldiers come back from the war, and your anger will calm down. Yeah. And start going, hey, I, I got to help. Yeah, go serve. And that's how you not do your right. Just go serve. That way you don't lose your mind. Yeah. Well, that's great stuff. Let's do a little bit of history. You know, as a great comedian, you're always on offense, right? And I don't want to put you on defense, but I'd like to know. I think you have an awful lot on the ball, and I'd love to know a little bit more of your story. Just take us back to the Adkins family, where you grew up, what life was like, how many brothers and sisters, the whole deal, what did mom and dad do? What was that all, right. all about? 
Well, I'm from Benton Harbor, Michigan, which is about 90 miles from Chicago, over there on the west side of mm-hmm. Michigan, on as far west as you go, sitting on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a working-class town, factories, cars, Whirlpool corporations there, a radio shack had their stuff there, so it was a lot going on. But um, when things shut down, so my mother and father, six kids, four boys, two girls, mm. four boys, the oldest, two girls, youngest. I'm the second one. My brother Michael's the oldest. Was a classical pianist. Oh, wow. Great heart, great spirit. You know, I have another younger brother, Donnie. I have another brother, Mark. You know, I got my sister, Donna, my sister, Dorothea. So, you know, we're all in there, you know, doing our thing. Growing up, didn't have much. Yeah. Didn't have much. But you know what? I can't ever say we're poor because my mother and father. Mm-hmm. I don't have that story of man destitute because my mother and father, my dad, he was a preacher, mm-hmm. but my dad welded everything. My dad do nine jobs, whatever it would take, mm-hmm. you know, and take care of his congregation and help me. We're putting carpet down the church. We're not, he's not one of them churches where my father's riding around that buying and No white Cadillac. No, ain't none of that happening with him, man. Mm. Like he didn't get a new car, you know, until I, I bought him a car. Mm. What was his name? Uh, Donald Atkins, Reverend Donald wow. Atkins. Wow. And his real name was Donald Beckley. Uh, was given away as a child. I think it was, five brothers in his family, and when his mother got remarried, the man didn't want any of them. Wow. Maybe his mother gave them away. Wow. My father should have been a cold-hearted man. Mm. He was a man full of love. Now, I think it always wow. affected him. I think my dad was always trying to prove his place. Even he was better than the people he was with. Mm-hmm. He was always trying to prove his place. Now, my mother, greatest person in the world, my mother's from Tennessee. Nobody ever was from uh, St. Louis in Chicago. My mother's from Tennessee, but once again, her situation, she was raised by a family that wasn't her family, mm. and then find out who her real family was. Mm. And, and I still go back and forth because I think key personnel know, but I don't think they even know mm. the wow. whole story. Wow. Never really talked about it much, right? That was the way back oh, then. Oh, no, we did. Yeah. My mother did, but the other people, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're going to handle it. Are you more like your mom or dad, or how do they influence you? I got my dad's tenacity. You won't knock me down. Mm. I will not quit. I will find a way. I got my mother's compassion. Mm. That love can solve everything. To the point when I was younger, I hated it because I wasn't a fighter young. Mm. I would keep saying, I'll fight through it, but I wasn't a fighter fist fight. I was like, mm. you're going to see my spirit. You're going to see. And as I got older, I realized I always went to my dad. My dad was a preacher, but my dad would knock you out. My dad was a boxer. He didn't play no mess. But, you know, he put things right. Not a mean man, but he didn't play that. Yeah. He, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play. Mm-hmm. My younger brothers got it. And then as I got older, I think my anger got me so much, I started learning to fight. So I went through this period of, Pure rage, mm. you know, when I went to college. Pure oh, rage. Wow. So I think a lot of anger came out of me, mm. ready to fight everybody. Mm. And now I'm more like, I'll fight for injustice. I'll fight for wrong. Mm-hmm. I won't let you play me. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a chance to back that up. Right. But my father is who I followed around. Mm. I bugged my dad. Show me that. Show me that. Because my dad was Superman to me. Mm-hmm. My mother needed a new room to the house. My dad and a couple of men would build a new room. Right. You know, my father was like, let's put this wood down. Let's lay this down. Let's do this. Let's put this carpet down. He was a self. When they say self-made man, we don't mean many people like that anymore. Yeah. Self-made now is Instagram. Self-made now is you make money while getting your hands dirty. I'm no calluses. Yeah, right. No calluses. But my dad, you, know, you have the Irish background. You know, that's that tough problem. Like my, my great-grandmother's Irish. Really? Which I didn't find out until later in life. Oh, yeah, man. That's where you get those freckles from, right? Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So. I know a little bit of your story. You grew up, you went to college, you went into the Air Force, right? Yeah, I went to college, University of Denver, mm. playing college ball. Probably the worst four years of my life, hmm. other than the friends I made there. Right. But it was like, why am I here? Why am I even here? Why was it so bad? First, you know, Colorado. I left Michigan. I'm one of those kids. I want to go way so far away. I couldn't come home on the weekends. Mm. 
And I turned down the maybe 40 scholarships, academic scholarships. I even turned down the Air Force Academy. It's crazy, man. I got accepted to the Air Force Academy, and I asked, do I have to cut my hair? <laughs> and I'm not doing that. <laughs> I ain't cut my afro. You would have ended up in Colorado anyway if you'd have gone to the Air Force Academy. <laughs> yeah, so ain't it funny how I, that, my dad said you do everything backwards. Yeah, that's funny. You do everything backwards, man. And the coach of the Spurs was the one that recruited me. Wow. A recent graduate of the Air Force Academy. Wow. So I ended up going to college. I dropped out with three weeks left. I was walking across the cot, and I threw my books in the air. Hmm. I got kicked out the dorm. There's a thing called the black house where all the black students got together. Mm-hmm. I know how to sneak into the house. So I was staying at the house, and somebody found out and snitched. Can you believe my brother snitched on my brother? <laughs> I saw I learned that all brothers ain't brothers. <laughs> you learn a lot. You learn a lot in life, man. I learned all brothers ain't brothers. <laughs> I still got some feelings about that some kind of way. I know, I know it's part of the journey, but he didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. That's right. He helped you on the journey, but he wasn't trying to help you. Yeah, he didn't know. He wasn't trying to help me. Yeah. <laughs> so you went from Colorado then. Where'd you heading up? I went back home, and I was sitting in the basement. Hmm. And I was doing something for myself, and I was angry. Hmm. And my dad came downstairs. I thought we were going to go at it. And instead, he looked at me and said, hey, man, let's, let's blame everybody for everything that happened in your life. Because I had a coach in college. I've written a letter to the Carl Globetrotters. I said, look, man, I'm a good basketball player, but I'm funnier than anybody. Mm. I said, I could be the next Metal Arc Lemon. And wow. they were interested in me. They called my coach. But the assistant coach got the phone call and told me I was a drug addict and a drug dealer. <sighs> now I am drunk. Mm. And, dude, I went to his house to look for him. Mm. And luckily he wasn't there. But I had $6 in my pocket. Mm. I went to 7-Eleven. Bought a five pound of bag of sugar and poured in his gas tank. He had a Volkswagen. An important dude. See, young people don't know what that means. <laughs> that, that destroys the engine. So I put that five pound bag of sugar. He might not know. He might hear this. I put that five pound. Yes, he he's probably, he know, he's probably a realtor in Denver yeah. listening to our yeah, podcast, Zimbad. <laughs> so what I did, what I did was, man, I just got on the bus and went home. Mm. And when I got home, I gave him a call. I said, hey, man, what's up? This is Sinbad. What's up? I said, how's your car running? <laughs> he screamed, Atkins! And I hung up the phone. Yeah, okay. That was. I needed that. I needed that. That was a Dirty Harry moment. Yeah, I need that Dirty Harry moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I go home. I'm in the basement. And I'm doing all my little things. I'm sorry for myself. And my father says, hey, man, let's blame everything on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Everything in your life, let's blame everybody else. He goes, but what you do for the rest of your life is on you. So if you fail... It's your fault. He said, and they win. He says, do you want them to win? Mm. And he went upstairs. And I was like, I never thought about it like that. Mm. And then it was like, nobody wants a responsibility speech. I mean, it's on me. I can take the hit for this. Mm-hmm. So I came upstairs. I'm eating cereal. I said, picture of a helicopter on the back of Cheerios or something. And I said, I'm going to join the Coast Guard. I'm going to fly helicopters. But then I get down to the AC Center where there's the Air Force, Coast Guard, Marines, everybody. The guy in the Air Force kind of pinned me. He said, hey, man, why are you going to fly in the Coast Guard? Why do you fly where the flyers are? Come to the Air Force and be a pilot. He didn't tell me I got to finish college. I had to go back to college and give them eight, ten years of my life. So that started that journey to the Air Force. Got there, became a boom operator, which I didn't know what that was. It was a blessing. Sure. They handed out jobs on the basic training. I'm a boom operator, which means I got a chance to fly. I refueled airplanes in the air. Wow. And I was so turned on by flying. I'm stationed in Wichita, Kansas, which I thought was going to Japan. But my son got to stay another tour to go to Japan. So I'm in Wichita, Kansas. And it's got so much air traffic. You got Lockheed there. It's Boeing there sure. at the Air Force. Oh, yeah. So I tried to learn how to fly. But 
you learn the radios because there's so much pattern stuff that you learn to lock in. And I didn't realize ADHD, I, I didn't know I had it. Mm. You can focus. They think you can't focus, but you can intently focus on anything you want. Mm. But if you don't need it, you let it go. Mm. So we're, we're good at that. So I was there, but I was actually crazy. I went there thinking, I'll try for the first basketball team, and the NBA team will get me out. Wow. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> I went to the Air Force. I, I did the tryouts. And my base level, I, I got picked. I go there. I blame God at the time. I had a vertical about 40, 45 inches. I could get up off the ground. Mm. I got there. We were running drills, and my legs tightened up, and I couldn't touch the rim. Oh, my gosh. Hamstring. I never had it. Never life. I didn't know what it was. And I said, God, are you jacking me on purpose? Mm. And everybody said, I thought this kid could play. I thought he could get up. I looked like a fool. <laughs> And I just went back to the dorm. I got cut. I said, what was that? When I went back to my base, it all released. Everything worked. My legs worked, everything. And I said, I hate it here. I can't be in the Air Force. I went AWOL. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to Maxwell Air Force Base in, in Georgia. Is where sure. we tried out. That's where my wife's uh, family was based. Really? Jim Robinson, you met my mother wow. and father-in-law. They were in Maxwell. Wow. So I ended up enrolling at Georgia Tech. Yeah, wow. I'm going to do computer science. And I'm AWOL, so my dad calls me, man, are you, are you AWOL? I said, no, I'm in college. This is an AWOL. <laughs> he said, man, they're looking for you. I said, man, I'm a black man with a beard. They never going to find me. <laughs> my mother's crying in the background. Hey, my mother crying. So my dad goes like, hey, man, you know, I never asked you, dude. Man, just, could you just go back? I said, go back? They're going to arrest me. He said, please, just go back. I said, right. If I get arrested, it's on you. <laughs> So I go back. I go back to Air Force. They wait for me at the gate. They arrest me. They got me handcuffed. The guy said, hey, you want to shave before you go to the commander? I said, no, he need to see me just like this. So I go in to see this a new squadron commander, man. He's talking to me. I'm going to tell you something. You don't run the Air Force. The Air Force run you. You don't tell the Air Force. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He goes, you understand me? You're going to do what I ask you to do. You're not going to be like the other people. Said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He goes, you got me? I said, yeah, no. Now that you're through, and I did my little game, and I danced like I was scared, whoop-de-doo, yeah. uh, I'm going to go sleep, okay? He said, what? I said, you really know I don't give a damn what you say, right? He looked at me and was so discombobulated. He had me arrested. He said, put him in the stockade. I said, cool, I'll get some rest. So I went to the stockade. They got me locked up, man. So the next morning, you know, we were locked up and doing nothing. You're supposed to go clean up the yard and everything. Mm. I said, I ain't going. What you going to do, kill me? I knew all the guys, all the SPs. What's going to do? Kill me? And the rest of the prisoners, we ain't going either. If Sinbad ain't going, they said, get Sinbad out of there. So they took me out of the stockade. And they just didn't know what to do with you. Man, they don't do with me, man. They shouldn't let me in. So, uh, <laughs> shouldn't let me go to the Coast Guard. Shouldn't let me go to the Coast Guard. Let you fly helicopters. Right? Yeah, yeah, because Coast Guard got you swimming. You got passed on the physical stuff. And my ADHD would have kicked in great, man. I could have been a hero out there in the Coast Guard. So I saw a talent show, Air Force talent show called Tops and Blue. Mm. These people, they traveled. They'd done halftime of Super Bowls. They traveled the world. And I saw this show. Mm. And Brian, when I said Epiphany, I sat in that chair. I said, that's me. I'm winning that next year. I didn't know what it was. I said, I'm winning that next year. Mm. And I tried out. I'm at base level. I tried the comedy category and the MC category. Thank God I did both because I lost in the comedy category and I was the only one in it. I couldn't beat myself. <laughs> so I wrote this routine. Remember the group called Devo? Yeah. I painted my face silver. I had a mixing bowl in my head no. and a jumpsuit. 
and I was doing this thing as a Devo dude, and everybody was just looking at me like I was out of my mind. <laughs> I didn't get enough point. So my man, John Salem, was playing keyboards. He's from Nashville, but he's doing keyboards for the military. I'm getting ready to do the MC category. He said, man, look at me, man. You got, you got any jokes for this one? I said, yeah. He said, let me see him. He tore him up and threw him in the trash. He said, please don't do that no more. Hmm. Just be you, that guy that, that we hang out with. Hmm. I said, well, what's that? He said, be you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, I went out there and I did me and I, I saw the record. I won at base at that level. I won at uh, uh, command level. Then I went to worldwide. When I got to worldwide, all these previous winners were walking around. Hey man, what's up? What's up alumni? What's up alumni? So I jumped in the middle. What's up alumni? And they're like, who's he? So they tried to push me out the group and I wouldn't leave. I said, y'all ain't going to deny me. They're not going to deny me. So I'm hanging around. And luckily, I'm the last performer of five shows. I'm the MC on the last night. Mm. And this guy named Willie the Wiz. Willie the Wiz had won like five times. He goes, man, you got to have a character. You got to have a sketch. So he was the wizard. He was the Wizard of Oz. Right. So we go to a costume store in New Orleans because we're at Barksdale. Go to a costume store. I said, I need a character. I looked up and I saw a Playboy Bunny costume. I said, I'm no. a Playboy Bunny. He goes, no, nah, man. No, man. No, brother. No, man. No, forget I said that. No, man. I said, no, man. I'm a Playboy Bunny. <laughs> He said, man, please don't. He said, please don't. So, so man, I grabbed a Playboy Bunny costume. He did not. I tried Six on, months. man. Oh, they ain't going to let me walk on stage with this. So my roommate at the place was a dancer. Could dance his butt off. I said, man, you got some tights? He gave me some white tights, man. And I put the white tights on. Oh, no. And I told everybody I was a singer. I didn't come up with comments. And we, and we, uh, so we have time to rehearse. I mean, I had my little piano time. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> baby. I said, oh, man, you ain't in the right key. I told the piano player, you got to find my key, bro. You got to find my key. Uh, he said, I can't find your key. I said, you trying to sabotage my chance to win. Yeah. And Edmund Bailey, who is Philip Bailey, sure. everyone's yeah. brother, said, sit down. Sit down here. She says, you ain't no singer. What do you do? I said, I'm a comedian, but they act like they don't know me. They're going to know me tomorrow night. She said, baby, I'm coming back to watch you. Right. And at a wide level, I set a record, man. And they told me that everybody in my competition did so well, they said they had to watch it again. They said, turn Sinbad sound down. They said, cut Sinbad out of it. And that was the beginning. I said, dang, maybe I got something. Mm. One, supposed to go to Worldwide, supposed to travel. And my time in the Air Force would have been up, right? Yeah. When I traveled. My commander said, he doesn't get to go have fun. They thought I was going to fool myself. Yeah. So they said, call your commander right now. We want you to travel. And Tom, who's in charge, I've waited for a guy like you for a long time. Dude, I'm on the phone. That's my man. I know I messed up a lot. I know I messed up a lot. I'm representing the Air Force now. I go and travel. I'm representing the base. He said, you know what? Sometimes you have a victory, and sometimes you can't get the credit for it. You know, I can't release you now. We need our boom operators. And I'm just not going to be able to let you go. I said, you know what? It's like somebody want to give you a, a general star, right? but they ain't going to give it to you, right? And you'd be happy with that? I said, that's some bull. He said, what'd you say? I said, that's some bull, man. And I'll see you when I get there. And I hung the phone up. Man, I got there, man. They said, oh, it's time to let you go. Time to go. Kick me out the military. I can't even drive my car off base because I got in trouble. So my car is parked on base. I had to get my wife and my girlfriend in to go on base and get my car and drive it off. So I'm sitting across the street from the base with my stuff in a little backpack. And I said, God, this is it. I'm at the lowest I can go. I've heard about these moments. Mm-hmm. If this is my lowest moment, I ain't got nowhere to go but us. Right. But I do need to eat. I do need to eat, God. So I would go to restaurants and say, can I do comedy? Wow. Food. No way. Yeah. And was this in Wichita? Wichita, Kansas. Wow. 
Yeah. The dead center of the country in more ways than one. Dead center of the country. And the key word was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so you started doing comedy in restaurants and they'd feed you. And then the guy said, you eat so much, I'd rather pay you. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs> So did you start hitting the comedy club circuit at that time, or where did it go from there? You know what the comedy club was, man. Mm -hmm. I was jumping at nightclubs. I was going to black nightclubs. People hated me, man, until I got on that mic. But my first time was a disaster because his brother said, look, man, I represent entertainers. I'm going to get you in this club, do you think? It's called Bucket of Blood. That's the name of the club. Wow. Bucket of Blood. Nice. We get to the club. He don't even know nobody. They got the front. Man, who are you? He starts whispering. I said, wait a minute, hold up, man. You don't know nobody? Stop. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he goes, man, I got the comedian. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. He said, yeah, I got it. He goes, man, all right, we'll put him on. Wow. Dude, the DJ named Star Child, he dressed like Bootsy. He's DJing. They said, hey, man, we got this comedian. He goes, comedian? That means they had to cut his show short. So he took the record off. Number one record in the country, Cutie Pie. So y'all want to see a comedian? He said, hell no. Let's see me. No. I said, okay, it's okay. You don't have to see me. I'm feeling better about my introduction of yeah, your mastermind. Man, I, know, I, I feel like I set you up better than that. No, dude, but you know what? This was all mastermind stuff. Wow. I came the hardest way to go through. Right. That was going to be my technique. Yeah. I got there. I got a microphone with a six-inch cord. So I'm over the turntable, <laughs> and I'm going like, how y'all doing? And we're doing better till you got here. <laughs> and so one girl goes, you need to get off stage. I said, well, you need to leave, too, because anybody dancing with you. And someone said, duck. She threw a bottle of kibasi at me. Jeez. I said, thank y'all very much for letting me come out. And I left the stage and I went out the wrong door. I thought I was leaving the exit. It was a liquor room. It was a liquor room. So I sat there until 3 in the morning. Wow. Everybody was like, come on, Mr. Comedian, come on out. I said, I ain't leaving this room. And that was the beginning of my introduction. Wow. But I, you know what? I came back the next week. The dude said, you came back to punish me. I said, no, I owe these people. Right. I came back and I ripped that room up. Right. And then they hired me and gave me $50. Then I heard about me at another club and I went and ripped that room up. I went to one club that had to buzz you to get into Grapes of Wrath. You had to buzz you to get in that room. And I got in that room, man, and this guy was walking toward the front. I said, he's going to shoot me? And he's just walking slow. And dude, right at that moment, I said, I need to jump off the stage and get him before he get me. He just looked at me and said, man, you funny. And he walked away. I said, oh, man, I almost got shot. I'm going to jump off the stage and get you, man. And then I went to Kansas City to see my brother. Okay. And then I said, comedy club, Stanford and Sons Comedy Club in Westport. I said, what's a comedy club? And I walked inside, look at it, and people were sitting and listening to the comic. I said, oh, I ain't never seen nothing like this. Right. You don't have to fight with the crowd. They introduce you. I said, I'm coming back here. Yeah. Well, every time I tried to drive back, then my car broke down. <laughs> so the last time, I didn't turn around. I said, I'm catching a bus from here. Wow. It broke down in Portland, Kansas. I caught a bus. I'm with my wife. Imagine my girlfriend, she's like this. It's okay, man. A guy named John Penny became a friend. That's what you do. You do three minutes, and if you can't do three minutes, you get off stage. I look at my wife, three minutes. Wow. I got to stay up there forever. I didn't know how comedy worked. I didn't know that it was supposed to be hard to do three minutes. I right. didn't know it become an open mic night. You might not work for six months. Mm -hmm. Dude, I got on stage. I threw a newspaper into the audience and said, pick something. Wow. And I started talking about it. And then the club owner named David Nasty said, keep going. Mm. So my six turned to 12. Wow. I got off stage and all the other comments, I'm shaking their hand. I didn't notice their faces. Yeah. And he booked me to work the next week. Yeah. And so I'm working, man. And as I get to know the comics, we became friends. They said, can we just tell you something? We hated you. Sure. Who's he think he is coming in here 
and working. And they realized, dude, him being nice ain't fake. He don't know. Yeah. He took our spot. <laughs> I'm buying a business. Oh, man, I didn't know this. We hated you, man. But you was funny. So let me ask you this. You have that ability. Was that just God-given? Were you like that as a kid? Is comedy, what part gift and what part skill? Man, you know what? I used to get mad. I said, God, I don't have speed. I had to work at it. I said, God, I don't have, I didn't have jumping ability. I had to work at it. Mm -hmm. My dad said, your gift is persistence. I said, that's mm -hmm. the worst gift ever. Mm -hmm. There's no superhero named persistent man who keeps fighting till he wins. You know, I wanted something like, hey, he's naturally quick. Okay, this kid is naturally good. But my dad said that then another person said to me, man, you absorb stuff. Mm. And you can tune everything else out. Because I read all these books on positive thinking because my life sucks so bad. Right. I read all these books on positive thinking. And then it said that we use one-tenth of 1% 1 of our abilities. I said, so if you use 1%, you're Superman. Right. If you do 10%, they'll lock you up to be mentally ill. Yeah. So I said, you almost can't use all of it. Because that's what people on another level, like Steve Jobs and them, I think you lose social skills. Mm -hmm. I think if your level is so high, people are taking out the equation. Mm -hmm. So I realized, my dad said, if yeah, it's in a book, you can learn it. If someone else can do it, you can beg them to teach you. I know how to beg people. I watch people say, show me that. Show me that. My dad would go to the paint store and say, man, what brushes would you use? Like he was going to hire the people. Mm -hmm. And then he would do it himself. He yeah. said, get information. Well, it's interesting because anytime we've ever talked or hung out, backstage you're always talking about the personal growth books you've read and how they influence your life and i mm -hmm. i was augmenting and you're like oh man i read all his stuff and people don't realize because they yeah. they think success is this other thing for other people you're just yeah born a certain yeah. way and blessed a certain way and everything you know just landed in your lap yeah. and you, you had to grind it out and, and your dad was right i mean persistence is probably the greatest gift you can have not quitting man, it'll save you when did you become Sinbad? When did you all of a sudden break up from just doing the Kansas City? I mean, you must have done just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps all over. I remember my first gig in Wichita, I did a show for a priest for his birthday. <laughs> and they hit me in the bathroom with the cat for an hour until the priest got there. But I'm thinking, You're a birthday getting, gift. I got $75. I couldn't believe it. I'm looking at this check. I just got paid. Wow. That crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I came out, I don't think the people understood what I was. I came out. I said, so there you are. We still hubcaps together. We do crime together. And now you hide behind being a priest? <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and his name was Mike. Mikey. Uh, he's probably said, an Irishman. Yeah. Yeah, he was, man. He was, dude. But the funny part is, he went right with me. He goes, well, a man got to survive some way. <laughs> And now the people are going, do y'all really know each other? It was so good. They went with the thing, man. I was an Irishman. We have a good sense of humor ourselves, you know. Yeah, man. He was so funny, man. He just went with me. That's awesome. So that became my key. When I started, I said, God, I can't spend a long time trying to figure out if I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. I can't go through the process hoping to get hired. I can't go through the process. So when I left Kansas City, I said, you know what? I have a car. I just caught buses. I had bus money. I was sitting at bus stops. So I found a bus driver that looked like they had kind eyes. That's how I know how homeless people work. I know how people who panhandle work. Hmm. I can pick up the spirit of people. Well, I say, hey, man, what's up? He goes, how you doing, man? I'm trying to get to St. Louis. He goes, yeah, I have no money. He says, man, sit on that bench, and there's an MGC, I'll call you. Mm -hmm. And that's how it worked, man. Wow. And I get there, and I went and booked at the comedy club. There's always an open mic night at the comedy club. Mm -hmm. Now, if you miss that open mic night, you can't perform. I would get there on Thursday or Friday. And I would call the club first like I was my manager <laughs> trying to book me. And, of course, they would say no. Mm -hmm. I would get to the club a day later. And I said, man, my manager booked me here. They go, I told your manager no. I said, man, this is the fifth time this month. Oh, jeez. I said, man, 
And they go, look at me, I'll, I'll give you three minutes. Man, that's all I need. So uh-huh. I get three minutes, I'm going to get a stand ovation. I'm going to get a place to stay yeah. and a meal. Wow. I had to get a stand ovation. Sure. So I could eat. Wow. Only place that didn't work was Nashville, Tennessee. Man, I got to Nashville, man. My boy was so hard. But, man, he was so hard. I got to, hey, man, uh, I said, I'm a comedian. Yeah, talk to your manager. I told him, don't even send you down here. I don't know why you're here. I said, hey, anybody get on stage? No. No, wow. you can't get on stage. Wow. It's next Tuesday. I'm like, hmm, okay. You go, well, well, thank you for your time. I go like, that didn't work. Because <laughs> I stayed there like nine, ten days in from 20-watt light bulbs. You know, it was eight ninety nine a night. Wow. See, that, I, the cheapest place I could find. Well, there was a hotel. I didn't realize it was for prostitutes. Oh, but I found a hotel up the street from the comedy club. I said, I'm coming back tomorrow. So I go up the street to the hotel. I get to the hotel. I see this Rolls Royce, but it's on blocks. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm oh, going no. up to the hotel. Son of a preacher, man, walking into the deep yeah, end. Yeah. So I'm walking in. I see this Rolls Royce on blocks. So I'm walking in. I get a robe. And he said, hey, man, can I talk to you? There's a dude in the driver's seat, but the pimp is in the passenger seat in the back. He rolls the window down. I say, hey, man, what you doing? I said, I'm going to sleep until this evening. I'm going to go back to this comedy club. He goes like this. I didn't ask you that. Ask what are you doing? I said, well, I don't know how to explain it. When you say how you're doing, <laughs> you mean in my mind? In my mind, how am I doing? I mean, mentally, how am I doing? He goes like, you got jokes? I said, exactly. He said, what? I said, I got jokes. He said, yeah, but this is my hotel. I can't believe he gave you a room because I worked my way to get the room. I realized the cold words would give me some prostitution. Oh, my gosh. So I actually got a room. He goes, man, this is my place. I said, well, you need to work a little harder because you ain't got no tires on this car. <laughs> and the bodyguard in the front started laughing so hard. And you didn't get shot. No, he started laughing. He said, man, when you perform Yeah. I said, they don't know yet, but I'm performing this weekend. <laughs> he said, man, he said, I'm going to pay for your room. Hmm. I said, what? Man, I'm paying for you. Yeah. You can't be here during the day because this is a working hotel. Wow. Wow. So I would leave during the day. Jeez. And he gave me a place to stay. And he came to see me on that Saturday night because I went back to that club. Wow. And I worked it, man. I you, worked it. It's hard to imagine anybody starting at a more bottom rung than this, you know, and you ground it out. When would you say your big break was? When did you say Sinbad became Sinbad? It was on that travel, going to different places. I was in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and a place called The Comedy Spot, and I got there too late, and I couldn't get on stage, so I couldn't work with magic. I didn't even have a jacket. It was cold. And David Nasser, the guy who got me started in Kansas City, mm-hmm. he was in town doing a show. I heard about it. Remember, ain't no cell phones yet. There's no way to communicate. Right. So, you know, I go to this hotel. I knock on the door, and I'm known. I'm known for this. I knock on the door. I said, no, I know you hate seeing me, man. Can I borrow $100? Wow. I said, I know you hate seeing me. He said, all right, man. I said, dude, I'm going to make this up to you one day. You know that. I said, plus, I write some of your jokes and stuff. I used to write routines for him. Mm-hmm. So he gave me the money, and I said, I got to find a place to stay. And one of the comics said, you can go to my place with me, man. But I wish I had He talked so long and so much. I said, Jesus, man, he won't shut up. I'm really outside. So that next day, I'm begging for work. And he said, look, man, there's a club in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm going to call this guy. I have not seen you. And you're bugging the hell out of me. So I hope you're funny. Mm-hmm. And he puts me in the car with a guy named Fred Deckham, who has a TR6. I got this big old bag that I have to hold in my lap. I remember the TR6. And the bag is in my face. And as we're driving, I look up and see a sign called Piggly Wiggly. Oh, yeah. Which is a grocery store oh, yeah, in Birmingham. South, so, yeah. dude, I get there. It's Mac and Jamie, who are a comedy team out of L.A., who got given to get their own TV show. 
Fred Deck was in the middle, and they put me on first. There's always three comments. But, dude, I go on first, and I blow this room up. Mm. I blow Bruce Ayers, who's still my friend, who I still go down and work with him, blow this room up. The middle act can't follow me. Mm. The headliners had a little bit of a difficult time following me. So that night, he said, man, who are you? I said, well, I'm just starting coming on. I've been doing this for about 30 days, 45 days. Wow. What? I said, yeah, man, I'm just doing this, man. It was 30, 45 days. He says, dude, we can't let you do this. I said, what? I said, okay, how about this? I'll turn it down on MC, so I'll build everybody up. So I found a way to even mm. MC, because that military, doing that MC show, mm -hmm. bringing up different acts. So I did that, and I was able to stay for the weekend. He said, you need to be in L.A. I said, what? You need to be in L.A. And then Bruce Ayers calls my man in Atlanta, Chris DePetta, and says, this guy you sent me down is a headliner. He goes, the kid just started doing comedy. He says, I don't know what you know. I don't know what you saw. So I didn't see him. He goes, he's a headliner. Huh. And that was the beginning. So people started making their cases around me. No TV time. I was master at radio. I go sit on the radio and get people to come to the show. That's how I got people to my show. Oh, wow. And I started so you headlining. Start yeah, that's Sinbad. So before Star Search, Star Search turned right. it nationwide. Sure. But I already had made my turn hmm. before Star Search. Right. A star search obviously made you just a national sensation. Yeah. And then from yeah. then on, now everybody's coming to you. Now everybody's offering you work. I mean, how many yeah. movies have you done? How many movies altogether? I don't know. 14, 15? Yeah. Not as many as should have been. Another story is my life in L.A. was not what I thought it was. I thought I was the next. I told my dad all my life, even when I played ball, there's always a couple other guys that dig more. No matter how hard I work, there's always some of these other guys, this other guy. I said, this is my moment. Mm-hmm. This is my moment, you know. This is my moment to shine. So, because even when I went to college to play ball, I didn't have a scholarship there. Right. Dude, I drove out there in a $75 van and tried out. Hmm. My dad says, I don't know why you go this route. I said, I don't know, man. So, I said, Dad, this is it. I get to Hollywood. Man, they ain't feeling me at all. Hmm. Because I was a little dirty when I started. And then one night, I just switched it. And one woman said, oh, God, I'm glad you're clean because I come to your show. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that one you feel safe with because comedy, you don't want to feel safe. Right. I want you to be edgy. I'm going to beat you up, but I don't want you to feel safe like you know it's going to be. So I said, I'll keep my edge. But those who saw me know I was edgy. In Hollywood, they don't come see you. They ask about you. Mm -hmm. They go, what box is he in? Is he, is he the nice Negro? Is he the military Negro? Because they, they have these boxes for you. Right. I became, oh, he's all American. He's quick and clean. He's a family man. I said, oh, you just kill me. Mm -hmm. Kill me. Just kill me. So, in Hollywood, to this day, never had that buzz. Never was. Right. Like, man, Simba has the one. Like, when they talk about even, like, Will Smith, Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish, I never had that moment. Mm -hmm. People knew me. People know me around the country. People knew me around the world. Right. But in this city, if someone had told me that I wouldn't make a movie for 20 years, mm. it's like Moses to the desert, man, I think I would have quit. I kept saying, hey, man, anyway, where I can't be working for you another year. Anyway, where I can't be working for you two years. Yeah. Anyway, in the world. You know, I saw it five, ten years. So here I am now, 63, I said, I don't think people know I am. I really believe this. I think my best year is ahead of me. Yes, I believe that. I just got to not die. I just have to not die. Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. The first thing is, I think your story is so flipping powerful. And that's why I don't normally devote this much of a show to just the beginning of somebody's story. But I don't think people have any idea. People come in contact with you, you're incredible yeah. star you have an amazing power and not only comedy but insight you know you're fast like no other but i know this i mean i'm in the business right now trying to help people and there's an awful lot of people you know there's 1.4 million people in america tried to commit suicide last year yeah. there's 40 million americans on antidepressants 
And the more crap that's out there, the more crap that's getting in people's head. Anxiety yeah. amongst young yeah. people. And, you know, to be clever, here's the deal. You have all edge but no crass. Because crass to me is no class. Crass is like you should shock. You can't yeah. shock nobody. We're shocked to death. So how are you going to shock us? Yeah. Look at the country right now. What's left to shock us with? Right, right. Now you shock people now? You shock people by helping. Right, yeah. So I do think your best days are ahead. And I think that persistence is the gift you've been given. And that's why, you know, we've had our private conversations. And I'm excited. I'm more excited about where you're at today than ever before. You know, Morgan Freeman was no spring chicken when he started on no. the scene. You know what I mean? We never seen him young. We never seen him young. <laughs> We've never, other than Electric Company, Rodney Dangerfield was the same way. Man. Yeah. He was right back to being a painter, man, working yeah. in the paint store. Right. So you get angry about it, but I can't. I said, anger can mobilize you. And that's what happened to me. I what? got angry. Yeah. But I should have been writing. Like, my, my proudest moment was last night. My wife, my children, we started a company called Stone Harbor Productions. Mm. So my wife, my sister Maria, my kids, they're doing their own thing. They're kicking it. We was at a theater, and they aired a first episode of something my daughter wrote, which mm. she didn't want to write, which she was fighting to write. And Meredith and my son mm. made her write it. Mm. Now she's written eight episodes called Life and Times of a Single Angelino Man. Oh, wow. And, dude, we aired it at the theater. And I'm like this, you know, like you're proud of a baby. I'm just sitting and watching like this, Jesus, this is cool. Mm. And the cool thing is, they're going to surpass me, which I want. Mm -hmm. And nothing worse when a kid can't surpass you. It's sure. hard for a child. I keep telling parents out here, these entertainers, mm -hmm. man, you better help your kid beat you. Yeah, right. Let them beat you, man. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't give it to them. Don't live in the shadow. Yeah. Make it so they can beat you or beat you in another way. Here's something, again, I'm going to ask you about that not many people know about you, but you did something I think that's also extraordinary, which is you and Meredith were married for, what, eight or nine years? Six. Six yeah, years. Six. And then you got divorced. Yeah. And how long were you divorced? Eleven. And now how long have you been married again? No, we separated for eleven, and now we're married for nineteen. Okay. Wow. You know, I've heard yeah. you do funny routines on this, you know, where basically you, you said mm -hmm. we're so messed up no one else can take us, you know? But that yeah, yeah, man. That requires a special you know, there's many people who got separated, got divorced, yeah. and they should have and they should stay. But there's mm -hmm. what did it take? What did it take for you guys to get back together? I mean, what did it take on your part? I think somebody would have to ask Meredith. Okay. Man, because, you know, for me, I always said I was never getting married again. Mm -hmm. it, and it wasn't out of anger. It wasn't like, oh, I hate women. Yeah. I said, and I think with my ADHD, I said, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I said, I've got two kids I got to raise. I don't know how to share that with somebody new mm -hmm. who's going to also want their own kids. You know, mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You get somebody new, and then they're going to want their own kids, mm -hmm. and then I, I can't do that. And plus, I wasn't going to do that to somebody else because you're always going to be second. Mm -hmm. You were always going to be second to my kids. Yeah. Always. I mean... That's just how you felt about it, yeah? Yeah, because, you know, I don't think there's any formula for men on marriage. Mm -hmm. We all want to get married, but we don't really... Women sit down think about this kind of man I'm looking for. This was going to happen, and mm -hmm. this is how I live. My daughter just got engaged mm -hmm. a couple of days ago, man. So they already know. They're already picking places. See, the boyfriend, his big job is just to do the engagement right. The big announcement and the ring. Mm -hmm. Then you kind of like sitting back and you ride in the car. Like, where are we going? We're going to turn left here. And, and that's how it works. You know, I'm serious. It, it, think of it. So early on, it starts off as a participant. So you have to figure out the road, mm -hmm. you know. And also remember, the way I live, I had two lives. I have a life on the road and I have a yeah, life here. right. And you live on the road a lot. Right. It really is two different worlds. Sure. You know, and when I was young, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. You don't know how to navigate it as much. I just think it's remarkable. And I watch you and Meredith, I think it's remarkable. I lived on the road. You yeah, know, I did yeah. 2,200 seminars. And staying married mm -hmm. and being involved with my kids' life was the most taxing thing. It's purposeful. You have to really think. I mean, you can't let it just take care of itself. Yeah. 
you know, is purposeful. I always tell young athletes, when I'm getting married, I said, are you really ready not just to be married or to take her off the market? A lot of these guys get married. You're just taking the girl off the market. Mm. You're putting it on your shelf for when you're a better man. Right. Well, let me do this. A yeah. couple things. We have five questions we ask everybody to finish up our podcast. Cool. Just rapid fire. You cool. don't know what they are. I'm going to say a couple of things. One, folks, Simbad is still out there doing his thing. He's not only doing some of the corporate stuff like for organizations like ours and, and some of our friends. So go and check out Simbad Bad. Go on Twitter. Go on Instagram. If you want to have a good day, if you want to have a lasting effect of a good day, go find the man. Go listen to the man. And I can tell you this. We brought 4,000 people to San Diego. And when they walked in the door, they were caught up with a lot of stuff of this world. And when I got a chance to speak to them the next day, they were open to learn. They were open to grow because they had wow. they, they laughed until they cried and they laughed at themselves and they laughed at just situations in life. And it was just pure joy. And I, when I think of you, I think you bring joy. And I also think you've got this piece to the puzzle. And I really do believe the world needs a lot more persistence. And because <laughs> you're an all-American success story, fighting, biting, scratching, clawing. And we could have spent two hours here today talking about where you came from and how you're still fighting today and people think oh you you, you know you yeah. have the big house in la and you you're sinbad and whatever you're still fighting today i'm 63 years old i'm still in the mountain i'm still yes, in the mountain you know people say get to the top and you look around i said i haven't done that yet but somebody get to the top my knee will be bad though. <laughs> that's why when you get to the top there's a chair and there I can't see. <laughs> and i look down i just smash it from my other glasses <laughs> these are my reading glasses <laughs> i can't see man <laughs> All right, here it is. Five rapid-fire questions to end our day. And I don't know if anyone else enjoyed this, but I enjoyed the living heck out of today. This was awesome, man. You're the best. All right, number one, what's the single best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Uh, don't give up. Was that dad? Yeah, and, but it was the parable of this. Mm. If you want to become great at something, forget what you are today and think about what you want to become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you see what you are today, you're depressed. That's what makes you depressed. Mm-hmm. If I see what I'm going to be, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's laughing at this dude, but I'm like this. Oh, you don't see this thing. You don't see the butterfly. You see the moth. Mm-hmm. Ooh, wait till you see me. Mm-hmm. And by the time they see it, it's too late. I'm gone. Right. Awesome advice. Great insight. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Singing. Uh-huh. That's funny. Yes. Yes. But you can play. Yeah. And I sing a little bit. Uh-huh. I want to sing a lot of bit. Yeah. I want to be a lot of bit. Yeah, like who? A little bit. Like who? Who would be? Who, uh, you want to sing like who? Well, you can't ask for Luther because that's way too much to ask. <laughs> <laughs> way too much to ask for, man. <laughs> Brian McKnight has a beast voice, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he Brian does. Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight has a beast yeah. voice, man. I listen to him. I love that song, Win. Okay, number three. What book's been most instrumental in your life? The Power of Positive Thinking. Nice, nice. Who knew Simbad is is one of us, right? Putting nope. the good stuff in, and that's why you've been able to fight through. My mother gave it to me. Yeah, good old mom. What one movie? You're flipping through the channels, and there's one movie, and every time it's on, you stop. What's the one movie you've watched over and over and over again? Blade. Blade? Number one. Blade one. Come on. Blade one. Blade one. <laughs> Change Marvel's history. Yeah. Change the history of Marvel, and they won't talk about it. No, I get you. I get you. No. Yeah. That's cool. All right, last but not least, if there's one thing left on the Sinbad bucket list, what is it? You no, know, I don't have a bucket list. Okay. I just do stuff. Right. 
I just do stuff. I don't have no thing I have to do because ADHD, that changes tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you mean a lot of new people every work. day. <laughs> yeah, man, there's a lot of new things. I go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Where's my notes? <laughs> Well, you are the best. You are the best. And you've got a great character. I think you've got a great message. You've got a gift. There is a verse that says, show me a man skilled in his labor. He'll serve before kings. And you've served before yes. kings and queens, and you have an unusual gift. And I believe your best days are yet to come. And whatever part we can play in, in banging that drum, we will. Thanks for taking some time with us today and sharing your story. You are a man yes. skilled in your labor, and right, you're the best. I admire you. I appreciate you. And thanks for making my day today. It was just a blessing. And I know there's oh, thank you, man. hundreds of thousands of people who got blessed by this today, too. Man, thank you, man. Thank you for just, like, believing in me, man. Thank you so much. It's fun. You make it fun, bro. <laughs> Until we do it again, Sinbad, God bless. Hi, right, Brian. Peace, brother. You bet. Thanks, Sinbad. I laughed and learned a lot today, and I'm inspired from listening to your story. We can sometimes feel that successful people just fall out of a tree one day, but the true story doesn't ever seem like that. His journey sounds a lot like a marathon, one that he's still running to this day. If you know anyone who could use some perseverance and a laugh, please share the show with them. We'd love to have them along the journey. And as always, here's Brian's mum, Therese, to send us home. We'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.